0: Taking Back Birth is a production of the IndieBirth Private Contract Association and IndieBirth.org. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Greetings and happy Monday. Yes, it's Monday. I took the day off yesterday, and today I'm kind of sandwiching this podcast in between many other podcasts. Nathan and I recorded, oh man, a bunch this morning. And then some other recorded stuff, as well as The Moon Circle, which I'd love if you would come to sometime. It's on YouTube. It's live. It's every Monday at 3 p.m. Eastern. So I don't want this to be an overcomplicated podcast. I think I can talk pretty quickly through the topic at hand today, which I don't know how else to say other than all of the factors or, or more factors, most of the factors that affect breastfeeding. Thanks to our doulas in the Birth Warrior Project who got me going on this topic the other day on a phone call. I thought this would be a great asset to the course when I add this podcast and also to anybody out there that has maybe not nursed a baby. Maybe you won't, maybe you never will, but you might be serving women. And also if you're pregnant and you are pregnant with your first baby and you've never nursed a baby Or maybe you're pregnant with your second or third baby and you've never nursed a baby. I have no idea. There's lots of ways this can look because not everybody is breastfeeding. And of course, there are a ton of reasons for that. But today I wanted to keep it kind of simple and talk through the periphery, all of the factors that are seemingly not related to some people. To me, if I see it in my mind kind of as a little diagram, it's pretty simple. I've got the breastfeeding mom and the baby in the middle, and then circling her, maybe it's like a clock or, I don't know, a spiral or even a flower with different petals. We have all of these other things that really do affect bonding and then breastfeeding, The way this topic came up the other day with the doulas on their call was just that wanting to, as a doula, perhaps help moms better. And for many doulas that are working in the hospital, as you can imagine, the support around breastfeeding just usually isn't there. So what they were describing to me, which I've also experienced, is something like client has a baby they're not terribly educated on breastfeeding, and enter lactation consultant. So I think we've been trained to think that lactation consultants are super helpful, and they can be, for sure, just like anybody, and some are better than others. But my experience with lactation consultants, especially in the hospital, hasn't always been the best. And I think the main problem with that, and I'm going to talk more about this, is it kind of frames breastfeeding as this thing that you need an expert to do. And that can go both ways. I think definitely there's a simplicity lost right now from our culture around nursing a baby. Think about it. It shouldn't be hard because what would happen? Although I think in many Other cultures and probably in long ago times, women did help each other out more. So there were wet nurses. There were women that just maybe would trade babies around and help a mom if she needed it. And I know I've certainly personally done that with other women, with clients, with friends. If they were having trouble nursing a baby, happy to take a turn. So there definitely is that community aspect. It's not that it's always easy, it's not that it's always perfect, but many women all over the world are more supported than moms here in the U.S. So back to the hospital scenario. Someone has a baby and the lactation consultant is there. And I know this is kind of um, a generalization. I'll have all the lactation consultants writing to me after this. But uh, generalization to say, you know, they kind of come in, they give some coaching tips. They might actually help kind of latch the baby. And that's not always the most gentle thing. So, they kind of wait for the baby to open their mouth and smush. You know, baby must be smushed onto the breast. This isn't going to be a breastfeeding tutorial, actually. That may work for some people, but I think what I'm getting at just to start is that breastfeeding doesn't need to be hard. And this idea that you need someone to show you how it goes really detracts from the natural instinct that many of us have. And again, Not everyone seems to exhibit this natural instinct, even though I would argue it's there. It may be due to drugs during childbirth, cesarean section, whatever. There are other things that a mom may be experiencing that really leave her feeling like she doesn't even want a nurse or doesn't have the capacity, doesn't have the know-how. So those are all things to be addressed. But in a mom that has had a pretty straightforward birth, let's just give her a chance. So if you're a doula, It might be separating yourself from this dogma around baby must nurse within whatever X number of hours. And that might sound hypocritical because as a midwife, I do think the first hour after birth is so crucial. And I'll probably talk more about that, although there is a podcast out there that I did that you can find called The Fantastic First Hour After Birth. And it's just that. It's all the research. It's all the good feelings and all the energetic reasons and all the emotional reasons behind why mom and baby should be left alone when all is well. That should not be the time that we are taking photos even, unless she really, really wants them and has been educated about the way that this first hour can flow. This is not the time to be picking up the cell phones. This is not the time to invite in the extended family. This is not the time to be checking out all kinds of things on the mom and the baby that aren't important or necessary or relevant. So there's a lot of education for sure that goes into that first hour after birth. But at that same time that the first hour after birth is so crucial, also, we don't need to over force it. The idea of the baby latching within whatever you've been taught the first five hours, the first 24 hours, it isn't always that way. It isn't even at home and in a more relaxed atmosphere, even a really normal, natural, straightforward home birth, that baby may not latch for the first 12 hours and sitting around with the mom and forcing it and keep shoving the baby's head on the breast or, or whatever, whatever way we would add stress for whatever reason, ultimately isn't helpful. So again, normal mom, normal baby, uh, normal size baby, normal gestation. So term, of course, uh, a preterm baby might not latch for a longer period of time. And that might become a problem because they're going to need nutrition at some point. But outside of that, normal mom, full-term baby just relax. Just let it be because the tension that you feel, the fear around whatever that is for you, even if it's just what you've been taught protocol, that will transfer to the mom and baby. So that's one of my main strategies there. And of course, that is backed up by the knowledge that the mom has hopefully prior to birth. So I'm also going to try to eat my lunch here. I hope you don't mind. It's been kind of a crazy day. Mm, Brussels sprouts. Hannah is very interested in my lunch, of course. So as always, we can simplify things, but oversimplifying them, I understand, isn't completely helpful. So we have the simple version of don't rush, don't stress. Moms know how to nurse babies for the most part, especially when they're exposed to how it looks. But then babies also know. So there is the school of thought that a baby needs to be taught how to breastfeed. They need to be taught how to latch. And then there's a school of thought that babies all over the world, you know, in all kinds of birthing situations um, will do the breast crawl, will birth themselves essentially, right? Because that's what's happening in most cases, birth themselves. And when the mom lifts them up to her chest, they will find the nipple. They will find it on their own without her doing anything, without her knowing anything, without her placing them particularly. Once again, it's that balance between knowledge and education and following instinct. I have said many times on this podcast, and I still feel this way, that in this culture, in the US, relying on intuition and instinct 100% is probably not where most women are at. So I think giving this information can be important. We can show moms, we can teach them, we can talk about the fact that breastfeeding can be easy. And of course, that's not to discount that there can be challenges. But I guess why start there? Why tell her it's hard? Why tell her it's going to be awful or terrible or hurt or any of the things that women tell each other? Why can't we just start with babies know how to do this, you'll know how to do this? And you might need support, you might need a little assistance here and there, but this is in you. This is absolutely in you to feed your baby, right? Because why not? It's a great place to start. Let's see. Um, Prenatally, those discussions can and I think should be had, as well as the, what would you like to know about breastfeeding? Oh, so you weren't breastfed? Your mom wasn't breastfed. You don't have any breastfeeding friends. Hmm, interesting. It would be really great if you were supported by other women that actually did this. La Lache League. I said on this call with the doulas, I'm not sure if it's still a thing as far as active meetings because of all the virus nonsense, but La Lache League has been around forever. That's definitely worth a Google visit and find a chapter in your area, even if you're a doula. Have your clients go to a La Leche League meeting and just be surrounded by women that are breastfeeding. It is that simple. If there is not a La Leche League meeting near you and you're a doula or even a birth educator or whatever, get women together. Have a pregnancy circle and invite postpartum moms and have them all be together. I know for a fact that in my own life, Me going to La Leche League meetings way back when was hugely helpful and influential. And in my work as a midwife, the fact that I've been nursing a baby for the last 20 years of my life has positively influenced all of my clients. And I say that confidently, and that's not to say that there aren't issues and there aren't other things to check out and things we could talk about, but just seeing another woman breastfeed, I think we really underestimate how powerful that is. And not just the act of, but how it fits into her life, how she moves around and does that, you know, what she does with her clothing. Some women are really big on covering up, for example. I've never been one of those people. I'll just go for it. Um, Different positions, you know, how she deals with that in public or at a party. These are all really natural lessons that all girls, all women should have access to growing up, but that most people don't. So it makes it really awkward. And if you are a doula or, again, you're getting ready to birth a baby, it's your first baby, um, it's really normal to feel kind of disconnected and detached from this strange thing. Like, we know it's normal, and maybe we see photos and we want to do it. We want to breastfeed a baby. But there's just a level of intimacy that is missing, So once again, I think a really helpful hint is to just get around women that are doing it and learn from them and you'll hear them talk and hopefully they have good experiences to share, but they might share other experiences too. And as long as they're still nursing, then it's all good because there certainly are challenges. There are things that can come up and there's nothing better than another breastfeeding mother to really give you answers, truly. I remember when I was a midwifery student way back when, the woman I worked with had several children and she would counsel her clients as thus, you must have one breastfeeding friend you can call in the middle of the night is what she would tell them. And she would say, I'm your midwife and I've breastfed babies and I'm certainly available to you, but you also need another woman. You need another woman that you can call any time of day or night if things get hard or if you have questions that has been through it. It can't just be one person. And I think that was such sage advice. So can we do better supporting women in supporting other women? I think that really is the key. Again, especially if you haven't had this experience yet. There's only so much that can come from textbooks and you know even very well-educated lactation consultants. Having it be an experience we have is super helpful. And if we don't have that, then the next best, best thing is to have other women be that support. So creating these kind of environments in pregnancy is what I'm getting at because everybody wants to focus on that moment that the baby's out and everybody's trying to get the baby attached to a nipple. It's way too late in a lot of ways. Obviously, it's not too late because she hasn't even done it yet, but time has been lost for preparation and support. So if you're having trouble, If you've had trouble breastfeeding a baby and if your clients are having trouble, you need to look at how you got to that place and backtrack and backtrack and backtrack and backtrack and and do your best to do all the things. Not saying all the things are even necessary, though. When I breastfed my first baby, Amelia, I wouldn't say it was a ridiculous success I had issues. I didn't understand a lot of it. I didn't know how often to feed her. I remember at one point she didn't gain weight sufficiently. I had my share of issues, but I stuck with it for a year, which I look back and that's pretty impressive given that I didn't have support and I wasn't surrounded by other breastfeeding moms. So just saying that you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to check everything off this list to successfully be able to breastfeed. It often just happens really easily no matter what we do. But again, these are for people that are looking for more problem-solving ideas and really making sure they address all of the possible ways that it can be affected. Again, in pregnancy, asking moms great questions or asking yourself these questions if you're pregnant. Were you breastfed as a baby? What was your mom's experience trying to breastfeed or breastfeeding? These are really important questions for women to ask their mothers if they're open to it, and I hope they are. I guess a reason a person wouldn't be is just a subtopic, which is there are still lots of traumatic feelings and even sexual shame around breastfeeding, and I'm sure that's existed through many parts of history, kind of as breastfeeding as a popular thing to do has waned and flowed. So different decades, have different ways of feeling about it. And even if you are not breastfeeding a baby yourself, maybe you're a birth worker or just someone interested in this whole topic, um, pull your own women family, pull your own visitor or visitors. Oh my gosh, I'm trying to read something else here. Pull your own, no, not visitors, your aunts, your cousins, your, you know, your grandmothers Um, just get some conversation going what about breastfeeding? See how they react. See what feelings come up. See if it felt like a shameful thing to do or if they were told they just couldn't and they never even tried. There are so many women in past generations that were told they didn't have enough milk or they needed to bind their breasts or it was dirty or, you know, insert many of the myths that our female line has carried. So my encouragement to you to figure out what those are in your line even if you're a birth worker, uh, doing your own work around this topic will help inform the kind of honest care and support you're able to give. So in other words, if you're maybe unconsciously holding on to something around this topic, it can be harder to support other women. So dig a little deeper, perhaps, than maybe you thought was necessary, and ask your mom, ask your grandma, get some stories going, find out you know, how long they breastfed or what they were told or did they supplement or, or, you know, what happened. Just get the stories. People love to tell stories. It's really super important to do that, I believe. If a woman that's pregnant, for example, wasn't breastfed at all, then it's almost like that's in her code, her DNA somewhere that breastfeeding is not normal or is shameful or doesn't work. And this can really, really affect that woman going forward, trying to breastfeed her own baby in ways she can't even intellectually understand. And if I hadn't seen this so many times, I would think it sounded a little woo-woo, but truly it's not. And I'm talking about women that have maybe already had one or two babies, and it isn't until this third baby that they finally look back on their feminine line there and figure out what sort of went wrong with breastfeeding and where they're holding that. And they realize, oh, it wasn't this like technical thing. It wasn't like they really didn't have milk probably. It was that they were holding on to a lot of the belief systems in their family. So another bite for me. Hmm. So trauma, sexuality, all of this in our past can be helpful for women to address how they feel about their own bodies, of course, is super important. Breasts can be sexual, nipples can be sexual. So having really open, honest conversations about that kind of stuff in their own life and just supporting them through it. A uh, lack of education, of course, is a huge thing. Again, around how does breastfeeding work? Or, you know, how is it meant to feel? Or babies should only be breastfed till they have teeth. That's a myth I've heard, and it's one that is definitely not true. My feeling, and I think many people out there that support just biology and physiology and natural parenting and all of that, uh, babies nurse, they breastfeed for as long as the mom and baby want to do that, hopefully years into the baby's life. I'm pretty sure the World Health Organization says till age four or five. And my second child nursed till he was five, Uh, another one of my children ever nursed till she was five. So it's really been unique to each mom baby situation that I've been in, but knowing what's possible because it's not the topic of the podcast to talk about toddlers nursing and older children nursing, but it's not gross. So if that's something that kind of comes into your awareness and you're uncomfortable with it, it's also something to look at because this is the primary way of nourishing our children and also supporting their immune systems and their brain development and their emotional development. Breastfeeding is a huge emotional commitment. So there are so many benefits outside of what I want to talk about today, but that falls under the lack of education. You know, people think, oh, it's just a way for them to get fed. So if that's all it is, then the dad should give him a bottle. And I have heard of this many times and occasionally one of my clients um, has that belief and, and maybe kind of sets off on that path. And on one hand, people do what they do. This is not my life. They can do whatever they want. But the point being that sometimes people don't know. They don't know that a baby getting a bottle just because the dad wants to be involved isn't beneficial in a lot of ways. Yes, the baby is getting calories. That's great. But the baby is missing out on all of the benefits of nursing and bonding that really the mother is responsible for. And as much as I love dads and I get how dads want to be included, my bold opinion is that they don't get to be included on feeding a baby. It's not physiologically possible. So there are other ways dads can bond and be involved, but that is not one of them. And so kind of setting that straight from the beginning. And again, no judgment. There's lots of women that go back to work. They have to pump the dad's feed. That's awesome. I'm talking about just people that aren't in those unique situations and are having trouble and maybe quit, you know, and then they really don't understand all of the reasons uh, that went into them not being successful. And this is one lack of education, thinking that other people can take that over just to give you a break. Breastfeeding is incessant. I tell new moms all the time, you will be breastfeeding all of the time, all of the time, all of the time, all day long. And, you know, I don't think that's a bad thing. I've really enjoyed that with my babies. Rumi still nurses a whole bunch. So I'm not saying that in a negative way, but I am saying it in a real way. That is real. And if you think you only breastfeed your baby when the timer goes off every two hours, um, that is not led by the newborn. That can produce all kinds of breast milk, supply issues. Uh, you know, if you're not nursing a baby when he wants to be nursed, There will be bonding issues, and your own body might suffer. Right, you might get a breast infection. You might get um, clogged ducts. There's all kinds of ways that nature has set it up that we breastfeed our babies on demand. There isn't a schedule. There isn't a predetermined external force that you know suggests when we breastfeed. So that is a huge piece of education. Again, if this is new to you, that women are not taught. Uh, to do that, that they are taught to let the baby lead and they have to be available. That's true. You have to be available and really your number one activity with a newborn is breastfeeding. So there. Um, Postpartum protocols can really get in the way of bonding. And yes, if this is a hospital birth, there there are so many things I could cite that I probably don't have time for that I think if you're a doula, uh, you know about. So all kinds of things from pulling a placenta out to giving someone IV pitocin to having a freezing cold room to having 10 residents in the room watch the birth right everything we know about physiological undisturbed birth so Brush up on those things if you're feeling like you need to, because the birth and then the postpartum really do affect the bonding. And the immediate postpartum, there are so many things a mom, a woman could do or could request, even in the hospital, that might change her breastfeeding experience. No touching the baby unless the baby needs help breathing or something. Uh, No routine hats on the babies. Babies need their head and their hair and their, you know, the fluid all over the head to be exposed to the mom so the mom can smell the baby and make all the appropriate hormones and milk. We are not dressing babies if we really care about skin to skin and, again, the mammalian response of mother and baby. It's cute to dress a baby up, totally, but I'll remember the first time I saw this as a apprentice. Many years in, and it was once I had moved to Arizona. So these were different people, different clientele. And the very first birth I went to, the mom dressed the baby right up. And she was so excited. It was a girl and she had had a boy. And I remember during her labor, I was kind of wandering around the house and looked at her baby room, and she had this gigantic closet. Like, I kid you not, there must have been a thousand new outfits for this baby girl. So this mom was very excited and so ready to dress this new little person. That's great, but it does influence how the bonding goes. The best protocol, if there is one, for bonding and breast milk supply and a healthy breastfeeding response is to be skin to skin. The clothes get in the way. That's all it is, plain and simple. The mom's clothes, the mom's bra, the baby's clothes, they're both dressed. They have even less access to each other. And again, we just accept this in this culture, how many people post a photo of their newborn baby wrapped up in a blanket with clothes on and a hat. And yeah, it's super cute. But if you're having trouble breastfeeding, this is a very unhelpful thing to do. And you might not know that because again, how would people know this? So being skin to skin is the way our bodies know to produce breast milk. It is the way our bodies know that the baby is there, that the baby is safe. Uh, We can feel the baby's temperature that way. I'm sure we pick up on all kinds of things as the mom when we don't have clothes on and the baby also doesn't. We pick up on probably the energy and the baby's heart rate and the baby's breathing, all kinds of things. So the mom needs to know that clothes are going to prohibit that really, really intimate kind of bonding. And again, someone's in a hospital, right? There's a gown, there's people coming in and out, but still, why not? She can still be educated that skin to skin is best. And if she can't do it or feels like she doesn't want to do it right then and there, that 24 hours in the hospital, then better late than never. As soon as she gets home, get in bed, strip down to just her underwear and turn up the heat, Get in bed with that naked baby. And that will help breastfeeding so much. It will help bonding. It will help postpartum depression. It will help her uterus contract. Nature knows. Nature, nature really does know. So, when in doubt, uh, take it back. You know, take it back to the way things used to be, in a sense. Of course, it doesn't mean all practices were perfect. There was a lot that people didn't know back in whatever day. Uh, There's a lot we don't know now. But I think taking it to a level of just simplicity around what would this mammal do, right? And of course, you know, no other mammal puts on clothes. And there's very good reasons for that. So no hat, no clothes, in bed naked, and not just for the first 12 hours, uh, as long as possible. I really, really don't love dressing my own babies. Having had so many at this point, I relish that time more every single time and that first outfit that goes on and maybe it's like three weeks out to go to the chiropractor or you know whatever it is that first outfit and my girls always want to dress the babies because they're like all girls they want to dress a baby uh it's really hard for me knowing what I know now which is you don't get that time back so yes bonding yes skin to skin but also a person will wear clothes the rest of their life so my feeling is why rush it Why rush just being this naked mammal with another tiny little naked mammal? It is possibly the best feeling ever. And even now, Rumi's a year. If I can get in bed with him with no shirt on and take his little clothes off and he just has his little diaper on, best feeling ever. We were made to do it this way. So it's no accident. This is going to help breastfeeding. It's going to help have a great supply. And it doesn't mean there are zero problems, but we're on our way to just a healthier approach. Along those lines, and I want to kind of wrap it up after this, is the postpartum support that a mom has. So again, you're maybe that mom, maybe you're a doula. You can do a lot of work in who visits you beforehand and what attitude they come with, what energy they come with. I don't know what that sound was. Uh, And in other words, structuring your postpartum time to be relaxing for you as the mom to make it so that you feel comfortable being in your house, in your bed, naked with a baby. Again, same midwife I worked with many years ago. She would tell people, hey, uh, that's the best for your breast milk supply. That's the best for your baby. And women would maybe say, well, that's uncomfortable. You know, my dad's going to come to visit or my grandpa and I don't want to be sitting there in bed naked. And her response was, well, that's what's normal. Like if it's not comfortable to you, then the best thing to do would probably say no visitors, right? And I think that's really reasonable as well. Those first few days after birth are so crucial. They're so fragile. They're so beautiful. They're so sacred. And if you can put off visitors for a few days, you can use that excuse as well. Hey, I'm going to be sitting around naked nursing my baby. I know that that would make grandpa uncomfortable. So why don't we wait until We are feeling more up for all of that. And that's a really healthy response, honestly, for our own physiology. Having visitors around, having lots of extra germs around is not the best thing for breastfeeding. If you don't know because you've not had a baby or breastfed, there is nothing like having to entertain a visitor to drain a postpartum mom. And you may have seen it. Maybe it's a friend or, again, as a doula, I'm um, visiting a postpartum mom that at that 24-hour visit is sitting in a chair in the living room, a hard chair. She's totally dressed. She's holding a dressed baby. She might even have makeup on. She may have even done her hair because people are coming to visit. And if you look closely or just kind of feel into the energy, most of those moms feel completely exhausted. And if they're not at that moment, I guarantee you an hour later when everybody leaves, they are spent. They are spent. They might get a breast infection. Um, If you're the midwife and you go over, uh, the baby usually hasn't gained any weight. Well, why is that? Because passing a baby around means the baby isn't nursing. So I am a real stickler and I really don't mind being bold and outspoken about this because I think someone has to speak for these little babies who, yes, are so wise. But as a tiny mammal, they really do require that they have their mama mammal around at all times and accessible to them. Dressing a baby and passing the baby around to even well-meaning, loving family takes that baby away from its food source where... The baby could at any moment wake up because it's on mom's chest and root and nurse. If a baby's being passed around, they will not do that. They don't have the same response. And again, if it's the right set of circumstances, this mom may have a ton of problems breastfeeding, whether they're a parent right then or not for weeks. And again, those might look like low milk supply, um, poor latch, failure to thrive, all of these things are often, not always, often labels for the physiological process has been disrupted. That's all. So those are some things to think about. Um, This isn't a full-on breastfeeding podcast. Of course, there are things that come up that might need attention and might need special skills. Tongue ties, lip ties. um, I haven't not seen one in 10 years. So that is a real thing that I think is changing our bodies. I think evolution is happening as we speak with those things. I personally don't necessarily think they're pathological, but that's a whole other podcast. I know for myself and many of the women I've served, tongue ties and lip ties um, haven't prohibited them from having an awesome breastfeeding relationship without being revised Uh, tons of milk, well-gaining baby, breasts and nipples are fine. So it's not the kiss of death like many people will have you think it is. And of course, you know, that's only part of the picture. So with moms that really are having breastfeeding problems, it makes perfect sense to look at what is going on with the baby. You know, is there something anatomical that is going on that maybe we could fix? I think there's also this movement always to fix right to hack it off to chop it to whatever to fix it and to make things better and that really works for some people and by that I mean revising a tongue tie again this is not a podcast on that Uh, it can work but more importantly I think are the things I've mentioned today this full picture this big picture of support and education and understanding what our bodies need and how to take care of ourselves as new mothers that are breastfeeding All of those things are way more important than one tiny thing that may or may not make a difference um, in the anatomy, for example, of a mom or baby. And of course, as breastfeeding moms, we can't change our anatomy. We have the nipples and breasts that we have. So uh, learning to work with them, yes. Occasionally, there are, again, strategies, tools, positions that might make breastfeeding easier. But I think we just have to take it back to basics and understand that there's so much more that goes into a successful long-term breastfeeding relationship than there are tools and strategies. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed that. I'd love to hear your comments, your questions. I'm sure there are things I didn't mention, but I'm kind of on fast forward today. And that's just what came out. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day. And I hope to see you over at that moon circle that I'm about to do here. IndieBirth.org forward slash live. I'll see you there Mondays 3 p.m. Eastern. Have a great day.